Welcome to The Road to Scholarship, a podcast dedicated to scholars in the community who are pushing the culture forward by collecting the wisdom of the past and moving it into the future. So please, join PhD candidate Maurice Robinson, aka PhD Rich, as he dialogues with intellectuals on the road to scholarship. Yo, 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 yo. Welcome to another episode of Road to Scholarship. I'm your host, PhD Rich. I got my brothers here, my good brothers, my boy Zach, my boy Bones in the building. What's the word? (laughs) What's the word, man? You already know. And for those who don't know, this show is pretty much all about finding scholars who are doing amazing work in their field and really figuring out ways that they are applying their work into real life situations and the function of the wisdom and knowledge that they've collected in their studies, you know. So, man, I'm not going to I'm not going to waste too many people's time today, you know. First, you know, like, Zach, introduce yourself to the people, bro. Uh, Yeah, what's up? My name is Zach Brooks. Um, that camera. Got you. Uh, Yeah, so, yeah, I'm Zach Brooks. This is my fourth, what was it, 2016 to 2020, fourth year in the Department of Africology at Temple University. I mean, I, I started there, my master's. Yeah, I was there for my master's, and I just continued to get the PhD. But I was also, I was also, I transferred from Montclair State in New Jersey to Temple as an undergrad. So I was um, getting my bachelor's degree in history. I was trying to be a history teacher in high school, and <laughs> so like when I finished my, um, when I finished undergrad, I actually did went, I went and worked, I went to work in Malcolm X Shabazz High School in um, Newark, New Jersey, and. I was just I was just thinking I'm gonna end up being the the jaded history teacher, the one black man that you see in the public school who actually care, but he can't teach what he wanna teach the kids because he gotta teach that standardized test or something like that. Yeah. So I just saw that was like where my life was headed. And I was like, I'm I'm gonna work with the kids, but I can't do this career. This is a block. So I need to go back to school. So I, I decided I was going to pursue a career in higher education. That's why I was. That's why I went back to get the master's and ultimately the PhD. So amazing, amazing, yeah. amazing. So what are you focusing on right now? Well, as for right now, um, I'm I'm working on my dissertation proposal. Um, the the main thrust of my argument is going to be related to an Afrocentric. I guess you could say, yeah, an Afrocentric analysis of the concept of democracy, the notion of democracy, because it's an ideology more than it's anything else. Oh, so, wow, what a relevant topic! Yeah, yeah. So, <laughs> for the times we are in right now, yeah. So, I'm, I'm, I'm trying to build it out so it's, it's robust because it's, it's really a conversation about civilization, and you know what, what are the organizing ideas, principles that people need in order to organize their lives around the center of power of a particular nation. So, you know, for black people, that's very relevant because many of us organize our lives around a nation that is not organized by or for us. So 
you know, yeah, you know, what kind of national, what kind of nationality, what kind of national identity uh, do we need to align our political ideologies with, as especially for ourselves as African people? Yes, 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 and. Before we get into bones, you know, we all are members of the Department of Africology um, and African American Studies at uh, Temple University under the great Malefa Kete Asante. And uh, when we talk about Africology, uh, we're talking about uh, the Afrocentric study of African phenomena. And when we're talking about Afrocentricity, um, we could basically look at it, we could basically look at that as, um, looking at the studying the world from the perspective of black folks you know what i mean so um yeah that's where that's kind of like the field of study that we're in you know so um i'm gonna pass the mic over to my boy bones and let him you know talk about his story you know what i mean and what he's studying right now too Sakafet to all my Isons. um my name is wilbur Saint-Hilaire. um but many of my close friends know me as um bones it means beating obstacles never ever stopping um, I'm currently a PhD candidate in the Department of Afrocology. This is um, my final year. I've been here since 2016, 2017. And um, I had the privilege of meeting and working with these two wonderful brothers. Yeah, bro. What you studying right now? You said this is your final year, so you're in your dissertation right now. Yes, yes. What, what you writing on? Well, my dissertation is called An Afrocentric Reexamination of the African Revolution, IET, i.e. the Haitian Revolution. And um, basically, um, it's sketched out in nine chapters. I'm currently um, writing my final chapter. Um, hey, hold on, man. Ah, <laughs> <laughs> uh, man, y'all gas me. Come on, man. Young Carruthers. Oh, yeah. For those of y'all who don't know, um, the Honorable and late um, Jacob Carruthers, an important ancestor, he wrote very early on um, the Haitian Revolution. Um, he also wrote a very prominent text called Intellectual Warfare. Um, it speaks to uh, much of the battlefields um, many of us are facing. Um, many of you guys might notice um, there's not too many um, Afghan, i.e. Um, black males who are pursuing doctorate degrees or um, degrees in higher education and are really teaching. You know, my path is um, really um, to be an instructor and to pass down this transgenerational um, duty of um, really um, reminding us of our ancestral memory, the knowledge from our ancestral memory. That's my mission in terms of um, why I'm pursuing this degree. My path as a teacher Amazing, amazing, amazing. You know, if you're not familiar with the show, one of the most important things that I think uh, that we add to it is a bibliography at the end of every show. So we definitely going to have that Jacob Carruthers intellectual warfare on oh, there. Yeah, I was I was referring to Irritated Genie because he wrote, Jacob Carruthers wrote a, a book on the Haitian Revolution. That's why I we going to throw them both in there, man. You know what I mean? Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. We got to give the people, you know, some substance that they could take away. You know, so um, I think I want to start off with you, Zach. You know what I mean? Because we're talking about civilization. Uh, we're going through an election right <laughs> now. You know, it's November 6, 2020. It's a very tight race. It's a very confusing time, probably. Um, the first election that we're going through like this in history of this country. Um, <laughs> with, with that's, I know Zach going to say that's neither here nor there. You know what I mean? <laughs> but just when you're talking about democracy, when you're talking about Afrocentricity, when you're talking about civilization, um, what what, what is the exact point that you're getting at? What is like the focus? You talked about the thrust of your your um, argument, but like, 
just expound on it a little bit more for the people who are listening. Yeah, so um, I guess the best way I can think about it is from where I started when I uh, when I first started learning a little bit about um, you know race and race politics and you know I wasn't into that in high school. I wasn't into that when I was younger and. I kind of got into it when I read Malcolm X's autobiography, you know, but you know, some of the things that Malcolm X said seemed harsh and extreme to me when I first read them. So, um, being someone who takes, I guess you could say little faith in answers that are given to me, <laughs> just cause you say something that's powerful don't mean I'm not going to go look it up. So, yes, yes, so, yes. so what Malcolm X, he, he said, you know, uh, the field of study that's most qualified to reward our research is history. So that's why I was like, all right, so you saying these people are devils. So let me look around the planet and see for myself. That's why I became a history. Man. And, you know, they had no GPA. Like, you could just, like, get in there. Like, so it was, like, easy. Like, <laughs> I almost flunked out of school early, but. Yes, you know when you know when when the, when the knowledge ain't relevant to you, you go find other ways to occupy your time. Yes, yes, so yes. When it's become relevant to you, that's when you're gonna focus in on it. So that's that's what happened with me. And I I, you know, was a history major, so I was learning all this history. You know, then I started learning about better historians, people like Chancellor Williams, John Henry Clark. Uh, my father, he actually even went to school um, at Rutgers under Ivan Van Sertima, Leonard Jeffries, mm. you know? So like these people, you know, these people were, you know, we talked about Carruthers. These people were the heart of the black studies fight in the nineties. And these people, you know, you know, when you start, when you start becoming aware of the history, you start changing your idea of the present, mm -hmm. you know? And for me, knowing about Malcolm X, and then I was like, all right, well, that's the sixties. Like, did it just disappear? Yes. And then you start seeing this continuity and up to the current moment. I mean, like for me, it's like, you know, it's like I can go through Malcolm X. Then you can see Imari Obadale in the Republic of New Africa. Then you can go into, you know, because he was in charge of that for 20 years. Then you can see, um, you know, the actual OAU. These organizations are still around, you know? Yes. So for me, it's like the hist history is living you know, so it's, it's like once you once you know what line to pick up and what tradition to pick up on, you see who's in it right now. You know. So, what are your views on democracy? Uh, well, sh short answer: <laughs> the democracy is a uh, it's a system of. Hypocrisy. It's, it's never like uh it's 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 coded. It's a it's a system of semantics, as Marine Baani would say. Mm -hmm. There's no shared power between powerless people. That that doesn't make sense. Okay. Explain on expand on that though. What you mean is no shared so, power. So what I powerless history lesson. So what I'm saying is you're always gonna have a minority of people at the top of any group or a civilization that has power. So if you have a minority group that has power, they're not going to look to all of these different other groups that they're ruling over 
to consult them on what to do with their power. That's not what power is about. Mm-hmm. So the thing is, I mean, the United States, everybody, for some reason, everybody understands that the United States was founded as a democratic republic. But when CNN says, our democracy, our democracy, our democracy, our democracy, everybody forgets the republic part. Wow. You know, and and the thing is, that's when people get caught up in ideals and morals and abstractions instead of the actual material history of this country. Okay, I'm with you. I, but, you know, we got to break down terms, you know what I, I mean? Yeah. So when you say republic, what is the distinction when you add the republic onto the, Democrat, the Democratic So, Party? So the, the idea of democracy is basically how do we share power amongst other um, people outside of the government, outside of the bureaucratic infrastructure, right? Mm-hmm. That's basically it. So how do you share power with that? Power to the people. Right. Okay. That's that's literally what democracy means in the ancient Greek what in his word, power to the people. But the thing is the people that they're talking about are the demos. The demos in, in Greece were the people who lived in the suburban areas outside of Athens. So these people were the elites. These people had power. These mm. people, you know what I mean? So it's so when I look at that in the ancient, when I look at that in antiquity, right? And then I look in the 17th century and I look at the founding of the United States mm-hmm. and everybody's like, oh, well, the founding fathers and the white men were the only ones that had power. White women didn't have power. They didn't in Greece either. Uh, when Oh, black people didn't have power because we were enslaved. Yeah. Well, in Athens, they had slaves, too. And where mm-hmm. do you think they were getting those people? Wow. So that's what I'm saying. If you don't know your enemy in any moment in history, then how do you know who they are in the present? You got to orient. That's what Afrocentricity is for. It's for you to be able to orient yourself and align yourself with your own ancestors in your own history. You know, Malcolm X, he said, what did he say? He said, uh, we didn't land on Plymouth Rock. Plymouth Rock landed on us. Mm. That's a matter of perspective. You know, you know, if everybody gets taught the same history and we're all taught we're Americans, and you know what? No wonder you got your five-year-old, 10-year-old little black kid thinking that they want to dress up as a pilgrim when they go to school. Mm. You see what I mean? That's real. Yeah. You got to align yourself with your own history to know who's who. Nice, nice, <laughs> nice. <laughs> Heavy talk, you know what I'm saying? Heavy talk. I mean, just to add to that, Zach talked about an important point about having memory, right? I think that's um, a common theme that we want to really address, ancestral memory. I mean, when you think about, um, there's a famous quote by Isa Hilliard. Um, you know, he came from engineering and um, he made a metaphor where he talked about how um, our memory has to be like, you know, a good computer memory. Because, you know, computer that has a low memory, what happens? It can't function fast. It's not yeah. operating at its optimum speed. Yeah. So that's the same way we have to operate when we're um, really teaching our youth, you know, our tribe, our family members, our history, you know, our, our true ancestral knowledge. That's how. That's what we're going to be able to build on. Um. I th- I, and I'm not. I'm not discounting voting. You know, you, you're going to need to do what you're going to have to do if we're playing things by warfare. But my issue is that a lot of people are treating it like it's a holiday. And really don't have any plan of action after voting. You know, it just stops there. Yeah. My my question is, what are you doing for other black and African people? You know, there's no no separation. When I say black, I'm talking about any person of African descent. That that's the thing about Afrocentricity. 
You know, we, we study African people and look at their perspective, no matter where they are on the globe. It's transcontinentally and transgenerationally. This is important because this is going to give you the core of what you need to build. Mm. What do we need to build in order to be in power? I think Zach's touching on an important point when we talk about power. How do you maintain that? And I'm with you there because when I'm looking at civilization, I'm also looking at the, um, not the destruction of, but the deconstruction of pretenses of what civilization is, you know, the ideas that are prompted on civilization. And the last show we um, had, we spoke a lot about propaganda, you know what I mean? Being like, a, and I could see that being a, a accomplice to a lot of the things you're talking about today and a lot of the things that you just brought up as well, you know, and this idea of building a civilization is, I think, going to be the next portion of, you know, where we're going to take the conversations at, you know? Well, I was going to say, like, to to the point about, to the point, my bad, this microphone thing. <laughs> uh, out To the point about civilization, I think one of the things that I've realized um in following, you know, like reading people, like I'm, he's the first one that comes to my mind, Chancellor Williams. But like, when I think of, when I really think of civilization, the definition of civilization just has to be people. Like the people that exist. Mm -hmm. So the thing is, it's like the civilization that you want to be a part of is all about how you organize who you're around. So I think people get that caught up with just because you walk along the sidewalk next to other people, they think that those people are automatically a part of the way they organize their society. Mm. And that's not the way that works. You know, like, so I feel like for black people, we need to organ, we need to understand that just because we share the same spaces with white people, that does not necessarily mean that's who we organize our communities with. And when and when we keep doing that, that's what causes the disarray in the fights, the infighting between black people. It's always some white. I'm with you there. It's like yeah. a friction between civilization and community. Yeah. In a sense. Like know thy community. Know thy community. Yeah. Know thy community. Speaking of community, I just think that's an excellent way. To segue into my brother Bones and, you know, the things that he's working on. For those of you who don't know, man, I follow Bones on the Instagram and everything. He's He keeps all of this knowledge, this sacred knowledge, real close to the vest, man. You know what I mean? I'm just happy to have him on the, on the, on, on the show today to talk about it a little bit, you know? So what's up, bro? Talk about it, man. I appreciate that, beloved. I mean, um, I myself am Aysen. Haitian, um, as you guys would translate, um, and community is very important in our household. You know, um, it doesn't just include, um, you know, your just your blood. You know, what I mean, it might, it's gonna include, you know, my homeboy, my village, you know, my tribe, as you like to say as well. You know, um, I keep that very close, and it, it really in tune with a lot of Af African traditions. And um, this is where we have to really talk about epistemology, Af African epistemology. Um, it's a good reading by Mwalima J. Suja. Um, too much, too much schooling, too little education. I love that text right there, man. Because um, when we really talk about education, there's there's a definition of education to give. It's a transmission of not just values, but also traditions, rituals, and other aspects of our ancestral memory and our culture. 
you know, and, and they teach you, um, we teach the youth and, um, you know, the next generation how to guard it. You know, it's not just passing it on, but how do you guard it? How do you protect it? You know, um, in fact, um, there, there's an important quote. Um, Zach mentioned it yesterday by another ancestor, John Henry Clark. Um, Zach, you mind saying that quote again? Uh, the education one? Yeah. Oh, yeah, it's my, it's my, that's, that's like one of my favorite quotes. Uh, what's the, what's the name? All right, Moe, the microphone. So the quote by Dr. John R. Clark is um, the the purpose, the true purpose of education is to teach a people to be responsible handlers of power. Mm. That's 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 what he said. So basically, he's saying like he was talking about miseducation, and he was talking about how your enemies are never going to teach you what you need to be independent and have power for yourself. So we need to reclaim that for ourselves. Yes, 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 yes. That's what's up, man. Another another book for y'all that we're gonna definitely link in the in the description. You know what I mean? So how does this relate back to, you know, I don't like saying Haiti no more. <laughs> you should say IET. IET. You know what I'm saying? Like how does it relate back to IET? Well, for one, um, you know, growing up in an Aysan household, um, you know, you always hear, you know, the importance of knowing your language, knowing your history. And um, but the interesting thing is, um, I didn't really know the true scope of um what I call the African Revolution IET. You know, the main reason I use that title is because um before we created an Aysan national identity, we were African people fighting for African freedom. So um I state that only because um um I went back home to IET for the first time. You know, my parents didn't really um, sent us back um, like that due to, you know, conditions. Um, you know, they grew up there in um, the Duvalier regime, you know, Papa Doc. Um, but at the same time, you know, I, I felt like, you know, I always wanted to go back home. You know, you always hear this, these stories on the news of how, like, you know, IET is poor, it's terrible, like, but, but you know, that, that's just the propaganda, you know. IET is very beautiful. And, and um, my mentor, Dr. Ama Mazama, um, one of the heavyweights in our department, man. Um, she brought me back home. She took me to Jacques Mel, Cap Haitien, La Tabanit, uh, um, Port-au-Prince. You know, we really went all over the country, man, and went to some very historic sites and visited so many communities, man. And it felt like I was back home. It felt like I was back home in Spring Valley, New York, or Brooklyn with my cousins. You know, when you grow up in these Haitian communities, man, especially shout out to Flatbush, but... I mean, like, it's no different from when you back home in IIT, man. My palico, you eating, eating good food, like, they have legume, or, or grill, cabri, like, you know, you eating real good, you know what I'm saying? Um, you know, it's, it's aspects of your culture and the community that, that reciprocate, you know what I mean? I see the same thing, you know, I know homies who are Jamaican, I know homies who are African-Americans, um, you know, I have my Dominican brothers, you know, we all tend to <laughs> do things um, the same. Especially if you go all over, you know, you guys know I'm from New York. So, you know, like, mm-hmm. yeah, you got a New York accent. And then, you know, you see the same thing in Philly, you know. There's a <laughs> new, what I'm saying is there's a bionics or a unique way at all African people, wherever they at. You know, they, you, you could be an African person or a black person right there in PA. Or, um, you could be someone from Baltimore. You know, you want to have your own sort of dialect. You know what I mean? In other words, you don't talk like white people. You know, you, know, <laughs> you, you can notice it. So, like, you know, I, those are, like, some of the key aspects I picked up on um, when I talk about community. You mm-hmm. know what I mean? In other words, um, I remember when I first came to the department, and Dr. Mazama was like, yeah, you know, is there a certain way I got dressed? And she was like, nah, come as you are. Talk as you are. 
You know what I mean? It, it reminds me of um Zero Neil Hurston. Um, they yeah. finally did that book on um, um what was it Buccaneer? Barracoon. No, Barracoon. Yeah, that yeah. that that's uh it's basically about um one of the last enslaved Africans um who were brought over to the United States and um you know she decided to um really write that text how he spoke and told his story in his own language. Yeah, you know, I I found that to be powerful. So it's like you know when we talk about community, it's really about you know, what are the things we do? We may not know the deep historical ancestral knowledge behind the reasons why our ancestors did what they did, but, you know, there's things or aspects of African cultures that we still do, like libations. You know, you got homies still pouring out looking for somebody, you know what I mean? That's libation. You know what I mean? No, nah, that's real. That's real. That's real. And um, I always talk about my research, you know what I mean? I'm I'm working on this idea of rich, being uh, rich in spirit, you know? And this spirit as an inheritance that we do get from our ancestors, you know. And libation is very important because if this spirit, this force, this energy is something we receive from the people before us, then it's very important that we take part in a ritual agency that pays libation towards those people. Um, with that being said, like, let's get it to because a, a lot of people might not know what you mean by libation, you know what I mean? So what do you mean when you say libation? All right. Well, there's one book, um, one of our, another authority in our department, Dr. Um, Kamani S.K. Nahusi, he writes an important book called Libation, The Ritual of Life. And um, when we talk about the circle of life, that's an African concept. So when we pour libation, it's a form of ritual where you, of course, you have to have water, but you're paying respects to someone who has passed or an ancestor or someone you're calling upon. You know, um, when you're calling upon their memory, you know, you might be um, call upon them just to honor them or you call upon them to help you with a specific task in life. You know, it's sort of different from that orientation in Christianity or Islam where you're praying to a supreme deity. So um, within African spirituality, um, you, you know, you don't bother the supreme deity or God with human affairs. You know, that's why he has his lesser deities and why you have your ancestors. So instead, we were praying to our ancestors and, of course, those lesser deities who are sort of like governors. You know, think of God as the president or commander-in-chief. And then, um, you know, um, the lesser deities um, in our, our um, ritual, our religion, um, voodoo, or also known as voodoo and Benin, um, we have um, loas, um, which are sort of like, you know, the governors of states almost. You know, the governors are um, commanders over different aspects of African phenomenon and nature. You know what I mean? You know, you got Shango, you know, we also have Shango, you know, control of lightning. Um, you have Ogu, warfare, and also irons. So um, we, we call a car like machine. So, you know, my mother might be like, uh, we made that machine lie. You know, go with the car ready. It's not working. You know, I might, if I'm associated with Ogu, I might call up on him, you know, like, Ogu, please help me get my car started. Something like that. You know what I mean? <laughs> so, you know, that's just to tie it into the community aspect. But, you know, um, African spirituality, is there's a lot of power into that. You know, I even have a shrine where I pour libations. You know, usually you want to have a plant you know, to symbolize the earth with um, the soil, and then you want to pour libation into the earth. You know what I mean? Because um, you're really talking about the essence of life. You know, life doesn't end, um, you know, African people. There's a there's a common understanding of all the religions and spiritual systems, but death does not end. In other words, your spirit, your soul is internal. You know, energy, energy can't be created nor destroyed. So, you know, that's that's how you see the scientific elements of African spirituality. But, you know, I say all this because um, we're a people of life. So when you die we don't necessarily think it's the end it's just a tra um, transition you know, yeah. Yeah, transition to the next realm so that's why you pay um you know libation you know and believe in um birth you know what i mean um, in fact um when you pass away you know you're just being born into the realm of the unborn and then you know 
There's a, such a notion of, you know, reincarnation, reincarnation of the soul within your own direct lineage and your family. So, you know, you might have sayings like, oh, yeah, that's your uncle coming back. You know, you, you know, you might have like your nephew was born or something He's like, yeah, you mind me just like your daddy. You know what I mean? <laughs> so, you know, that, that, that's it goes back to that deep understanding. And we still continue to recognize it to this day. There's definitely a significant linkage, you know, when I think of libation, I think of offerings, you know what I mean? Like in the sense of just the things we do every day, you know, like. I always look at, you know, in my in my daily life and the things that I do on a consistent daily basis, I need to make sure that they're not only, you know, um, fulfilling the prophecy of my potential, but at the same time, they're also paying homage to the people who lent me my force of life. You know what I mean? Like, life is so important, and we can't discount the role of our parents, their parents, their parents before them, their parents before them. And not just them, but others who have had a great influence on our community, people who have had a great influence on civilization, people, right? <laughs> people who have, um, who might have been martyrs that sacrificed their life, you know what I mean? Who turned their life into a libation, into an offering for us to lead a life where we can create our own legacy without the modes of resistance that might have been very prevalent for people before us. So I'm definitely grateful, you know what I mean? to just have you two on the show talking about these things. Yeah, I mean, yeah, it's it's definitely, I mean, I'm just thinking about libation because it's it's a very pervasive ritual pe that people do consciously and unconsciously. But I think it's just, it's, it's just one, it's one form of offering too, you know? So like, I mean, I mean, you have libation, but you also have, you know, the other ones know what what they say like uh because that's just libation is really just a liquid offering but then like a word offering it's like a prayer or and then you have like whatever with like the incense or you have you know give food you know so i mean i don't know i mean i don't know if y'all call all of them libation because they're like the same ritual and principle but it's different for different reasons but yeah never mind. i just had a thought what do you call that? Like, you got to get it out? Rap Tourette's? Nah. I don't know. I just call them streams of consciousness. Streams nah, of consciousness. <laughs> I, I was going to say, I think MK Asante, he got a word for it. He called it Rap Tourette's. You'd be walking down the street, just be rapping your favorite song. <laughs> just, just jump out of you. Yeah, straight up. Have it Broken glass time. everywhere. <laughs> oh, my goodness, man. Yeah, I just wanted to add one thing, too. Um, what Zach's talking about, man. Um nothing's basically separated. You know, the thing about African spirituality is that everything's incorporated, you know, from your education, to from your everyday work, you know, to the different rituals or um, ceremonies or celebrations you have, even um, the combat, African combat arts. You know, I don't like using um, martial arts. Um, shout out to Abatele Cabone. Combat know? science. Yeah, yeah, man. He calls it combat sciences and he talks about how like, um, you know, we don't want to use martial arts because when you look at the etymology of the term and we do that in Afro-ecology, um, we have something known as location theory. But you look at that etymology of Marshall, you know, Mars coming from that um, Greek and Roman um, deity of war. Like, it's like, nah, man, like we've been doing martial arts since the beginning of human civilization, you know. So that's why I, I use the term um, African combat arts. About that, it says African combat sciences, as Zach points out. But, you know, even in those traditions, you know, you have dance. 
Because, you know, he talks about how, like, you know, um, African people, when we getting ready to fight, you know, the main reason you have those motions or those vibes or those um, um, dance-like movements is because, you know, you're, you're engaging in um, a movement where you're going to be in a position to attack and dodge. So, you know, there's a practical um, reason for why we do what we do. You know, I, I love the quote he uses from uh, Muhammad Ali. In the ring is where I stay. I hit and run as I dance away. Like, I was like, nah, that's hard. But, <laughs> that you know, is you, quality. Yeah. You feel me reading that? I'm just like, nah. See, see that's why we want to mention um, a couple of those texts that we reading. Because, you know, if I got stuff like that when I was in high school, yo, son. It'd be different. It, son, my energy would be completely different. Straight you up. shitting me? It's, it's funny you said that because, like, I'm thinking about one of my students. Uh, his name was James. And like, you know, James, it was funny because he um, you know, when you a sub, you just be doing whatever sometimes. You know what I mean? You, you babysitting the kids. So you just so I was like, all right, let me throw this on real quick. So I threw on the movie, uh, it was a documentary, uh, it was a uh Muhammad Ali documentary, uh Spike Lee, the Spike Lee joint. It's called uh When We Were Kings. And it's the documentary when uh Muhammad Ali fights George Foreman in the Congo. You know, yeah, under Mobutu after they killed Patrice Lumumba. So Rumble in the jungle, yeah. So I brought, so I showed the kids that, and then you know they saw the part where uh, what's the part? You know, like where he's on the ropes. You know, he's like he's kind of on the ropes and whatever. And then it's it's crazy because uh, you know George when they first got there, George Foreman he came and he had the he had the German Shepherd. <laughs> in the Congo, they was colonized by by the Belgians, and the Belgians used to sick. Those dogs on them, the same dogs, the German Shepherds. So, mm. so they looked at they looked at the dog and they was like, "Yo, Ali, boom by yay, like, <laughs> like yo, like kill him, like." So it was like Ali, boom by yay, wow, that's so crazy. So when I the never kid, knew that. So context. when the kid, so when the kid seen it in the documentary, every time he seen me in the hallway, he was like, "Yo, yo, yo." Yo, boom by yay. <laughs> it, was like, oh, it, was like, it was like the whole school started, started doing like the boom by yay thing. I was like, I was like, yeah, I'm about to make a little, little that's militia. That's so crazy though, because it get back to a point you was bringing up yeah. earlier about alignment. You know yeah. what I mean? Like how you go to the Congo with a German shepherd. You don't know your history. You don't know what's going on over there. You ain't know what's going on over there. You know what I'm saying? Like You ain't know America just took out their president. That's, so they really don't like America. Zach be dropping so many. <laughs> Bro, this is how we got to talk. We teach um, electives too. Um, we teach in um, sports and leisure. I'm teaching a Haitian revolution. But <laughs> me and him, we had discussions because I just showed him the film on Ali. And I, I, we also had him read a reading. It's on um, it's Garvey, um, Malcolm X, and Patrice Lumumba. You know, a lot of people don't know the history behind Patrice Lumumba. And um, really his vision for the it's Congo and the rest of the continent. And really the diaspora, you know, the, the, the what I call the African world. You know what I mean? Mind getting into it a little bit? Yeah. Like, when we talk about, um, for example, in my study, um, I'm not just talking about um, IIT, you know, the African fight for freedom of IIT. You know, I make a connection with what I call um, um, African resistance in the, in the African world. Because, mm -hmm. you know, um, basically what I demonstrate is just like how you had African people resisting IIT, if you go to Guadalupe with um, Salaturu, who's a, a pregnant African um, female, woman warrior, Powerful, you know, pregnant and still fighting for um, Guadalupe. You know, you had you had um, African resistance in Mart Martinique, um, in um, amongst the Galifanas in Panama. They they were resisting as well. You know, all over the world, you had African people, even um, from the time of our most ancient history with the Hyksos and the Assyrian invasion. And um, um, most famous one with Kush is when um, 
Um, Amanda Arena has defeated um, Augustus' army. He was the Roman Empire at the time, but, you know, she cut off his, one of the stone statues they set up, put it under the stairs, so every time the citizens are walking up the steps, they walk on his head. What kind of testament is that? You know what I mean? <laughs> like, 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 these are the sort of examples you want to see when you're telling history to show that we're not separate from each other. You know, and you see the reciprocation of what we do when our freedom and our agency is threatened, the response is always the same. You know, and um, rest in peace real quick to um, Walter Wallace. Um, um, there was an incident out here in Philadelphia that's still heartbreaking, another case of p police brutality. And um, honestly, you know, for, for people like us, you know, we're in a constant state of rage. You know, yeah, we may joke here and there, you know, we're, we're calm and collected, but deep down we got we got a rage in the fire. You know what I'm saying? And of course, um, we have our place in this war. You know, we're not mostly going to be in the front lines because we're in, in charge of producing knowledge. You know, that's what epistemology is about. But at the same time, we have that rage and we have that fire. But of course, you know, as Sun Tzu says, you know, you want to plan and organize in the midst of the night and the dark. And then when it's time to strike, fall like a thunderbolt. So that's how we coming. You know, the, everything we state here, we're talking facts and we're talking heavy and we care because we dedicate our lives to our people. You know, and we're only debating our equals, as John Henry Clark will say. You know, we're not debating the rest of you who are chatting out here on social media. You know, we were really looking deeply into our history because it's a war. Straight up, I don't, I don't. What he say? What he say? John Henry Clark used to talk heavy. Well, well he took. He I took only the mic. debate with my equal. He took the all mic real, others. real slow like this. I watched that debate twenty thousand times. He pulled, he pulled the debate. He, I dedicated my entire adult life to this subject. I didn't come here to debate with anyone. I only debate my equals. All Gangsta. others I teach. Gangsta. You know, he, he all old in the chair, just blackened, and they over there like. <laughs> Yo, then, then what he do? The next thing you do, he start, you know, uh, da, 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 two volumes. He started naming books. Your questions tell me what you have not read. You, you keep confessing your ignorance to me with your questions. You're sophomoric. He's over there blacking on these, blacking on these white people, yo. Blacking on them. They supposed to be some PhD Egyptologist. You know, they supposed to know. They supposed to, they supposed to know everything. Nah, that's crazy, right? man. That's crazy. You know, because the Republican think tanks sent him over there to write the book to assault and attack people like Dr. Asante okay. and people like Jacob Carruthers and Dr. Clark because they're trying to discredit us because we actually know our history and our history unlocks all of their lies. So so it's it's warfare. It's it's intellectual warfare. But the thing is, people come to college and they want to play around in these they want to play around with social theory. They want to play around. They want to play around with social theory. They want to play around with ideology, but they don't actually know what's at stake because they don't know the battles that have been fought to, for us to have these kinds of spaces. And that's real. And that's something I always say, you know, like we can never underestimate the, the, the agency that the people before us have taken. You know, like the world is a better place because the people that came before us died for it to be so. When you have people like John Henry Clark, when you have people like Jacob Carruthers, when you have people like Malefi Kete Asante. Francis Cress Wilson. Francis Cress Wilson. When you have these type of people, it's no way that they can lend their entire adult lives to to our existence, to our to 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 dismissing the false pretenses of propaganda. And then we say that the world is not better. 
But they didn't just die for it too. The thing is, they took some dubs before they lo- before they died. Mm-hmm. They they took some victories. Yes, and that's what Afrocentricity is about. It's about illuminating the the victories, our self determination. That's yes. our agency. Just black anything black people do is not agency. That needs to be clarified. Just because just because people are just because people are it's doing, agency, but it's not victorious agency. I mean, all right. So it's not African agency. Okay. So so, so the point is that the, I think the real hold on, point wait of, though. I gotta fight back though. Okay. Because it's it's still African agency because no. they are African people. Like my whole thing is that it might not be Afrocentric agency, no, or it might no. not be victorious agency, or it might not be agency that benefits African people. Well, the thing is, the thing is. So, so that, so I think this is the problem because I know, like, we brought up Dr. Cambon, and he has an article called "Intellectual Warfare," and he's talking about Skip Gates and John Thornton, and basically how they took a caveat inside of Afrocentric theory where they said, "Oh, we're going to center Africa, and then we're going to center the agency of African people," and they use that caveat to basically say, "Look, African people enslaved each other." So they so so African agency. Let's study African history in the agency of African people of African people killing and enslaving each other. But the thing is, that's already the propaganda that the white machine is pushing out here on both the right wing and the left wing about. I mean, you know, Ann Coulter. You know, I don't live in Cherokee Nation. I live in America. We there was no America till we got here. You know, she understands that. Mm-hmm. But the thing is. What they do, what you no? Know, she said it was just a bunch of warring tribes before before white people got here and civilized everyone. That's what she said about America. It's the same thing the Boer said about South Africa. It's the same thing that the Portuguese said. It's, it, they, it's the French, Portuguese, Spanish. They use the same logic, the same excuse to say, "Look, civilization, it's not there until we're here." So when you don't have civilization, it's just a bunch of backward warring tribes. So Skip Gates tries to use something in Afrocentricity at the behest of his white master, John Thornton, to say, look, this, <laughs> hey. Talk look, heavy, nah, talk. Nah, talk, nah. talk your talk. I mean, no. And then, and then he uses that to say, look, anything black people do is agency. So you can study this and you're not actually re- redoing anything. But the thing is, if you actually look at somebody like, you know, who understands that you have to do a systematic analysis of history and you can't just look at people in their individual choices. You have to look at the, the the forms of hegemony or the influences that will push people into particular behaviors. So the thing is, if we're looking at Black people enslaving each other, we have to look at Arab imperialism. We have to look at the spread of, of Arab imperialism in North Africa. Because if we're not doing that, then we have to look at Af- African history before any of these white people even come into the picture. But nobody's willing to do that work. So that's 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 what Chancellor Williams has been telling us to do. That's what Sheikh Ante Diop was. Black that's what that's what they're teeing us up for. But the problem is people don't know a historical method, but they want to fling around theory and they don't know where it comes from. Yeah, I'm with you. I'm with you a thousand percent. But we still have to. I, I like the thing I like about Asante is when he gets into decapitated and lynched. You know what I mean? Location like, theory. The location theory. 
Like just because those African people were dislocated or they were influenced by another another entity to behave the way they they did, like it doesn't discount their Africanness and it doesn't discount and it doesn't dismiss the the actions that they've taken. But it's all about context. You know what I mean? Yeah. It's all about giving the full story of why people behave the way they did. Like I don't look at the people. I don't look at the people who um the Africans who played a role in enslaving other Africans no different than Brenda and Tupac's Brenda's got a baby. You know what I'm saying? Like both of those things were byproducts of influences and things going on around them with a historical context that if we don't fully take into account, we would think that that thing defines African culture or African American culture when it doesn't. You know what I mean? Like the, the the role that I think we play, which is a significant role, and is one that I was just speaking on yesterday, was um, you know, we we create the terms that people can utilize to um to audit our culture, to audit our agency in the culture. Like we can look at different agency. And if we aren't aware of things like epistemology and things like that, we might think that that is a part of our legacy, our culture, and our history. When it's not necessarily that, it's really the part of the legacy, the history, and the culture of people in other places that utilize people in that culture who were dislocated, who were decapitated, or whatever you want to call it. You know what I mean? Like, to to promote their agenda. I just want to chime in there. I mean, you, you raise a very important point. Um, it reminds me, um, of course, if we're going to bring this in, um, here's another um, concept for you guys from um, Dr. Ama Mazama. She calls it cognitive hiatus. And um, it's different from cognitive dissonance. You know, cognitive hiatus is that, you know, that tensions for black people is pure. You know what I mean? Um, she gives an example of this dude um, who wanted to um, start up a school, an African school. And um, I forgot what area. I don't want to say the Congo or Senegal. But in, in one of one of those areas, he wanted to set up a school, but call it Montesquieu. And those of you who don't know about Montesquieu, um, very racist, you know. Um, and he talked very badly around around African people. And um, the person who wanted to start the school knew this, so you know she she explains this is what cognitive hiatus is. So think of it this way in steps, right? You know, you go from A, A, I'm going to start an African school. B, I want to start the school for African people. Um, C is going to give them opportunities and skill sets um, to raise um, the next generation of youth. But then all of a sudden, you skip right all the way to G. <laughs> you go and call it Montesquieu and you know that the man is racist. You know what I mean? This is cognitive bias. And part of it is really white validation. It's suffering from the white validation syndrome. So, for example, I know a lot of people like to say, oh, those Afrocentrics, they talk so heavy. Uh, 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 they always want to talk about Kemet. Uh, uh, they, they always want to talk about uh, mm -hmm. all knowledge, all this. Yeah, the reason we do that, dummy, the main reason <laughs> we do that is because it's very important for us to understand our core. You know, what are our, our deep values? Because if not, who's, if, are these other ideas, these European ideas going to affect our minds? Well, it's going to move us from where we need to really go. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I mean, I mean, the thing is, I mean, I don't want to call people dumb for not understanding the significance. My bad. I said I don't want to. me. I don't want to call people dumb for not <laughs> recognizing the significance of ancient Nile Valley civilization, because you know I get those questions too. You know, what you guys gonna talk about Kemet and 
what 5,000 years got to do with anything and those kinds of things, I understand. But I think what they don't recognize is that people are already trained to think about Greece and, Greece and Rome without recognizing their thinking Greece and Rome. So, so the thing is, the, 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 whole, the whole point in us understanding the importance of ancient Egypt or Kemet is because by removing the Nile Valley from African history and trying to transplant it into Europe or Asia, white people have effectively been able to rewrite the entire history of the world. So by us taking back ancient Egypt and restoring uh, its true historical character as an African civilization, then what we're doing is we're placing African people back within the proper context of African history. But African history that we can construct, construct from ourselves, not from the starting point of Europe. We don't have to start in Europe. You know, that's why, like, when you, when you get your, your history curriculum for African history, they give you medieval African history medieval African empires or feudal African empires. There's no feudalism in African history. That's Europe. The, the whole dark ages and all of that, there was no dark ages in Africa. That's Europe. But the thing is, you get the dark ages of Africa in these textbooks, the dark ages, you know, the feudal history. You know, that's why, you know, people talk about kings and queens. Well, what's, what about, what about a per-op, right? That's what the that's what the people of Kemet called their own sovereign, their own what what people will call a king. You know, we what are the African names for these titles? You know, we can't ever find an adequate amount of information that we need to create models for ourselves until we do the work to understand our own history on its own terms. So that's a long answer, but yeah. No, I think that's, and it gets back to the point that we made earlier, which is alignment. Alignment, you know what I mean? Like alignment, you know, like alignment with your history and the direction, you know what I mean? Like, and I think those things are very, very important to, you know, the mission of all of us, you know, me, I'm the type of person who, like, I don't, I don't call anyone I, don't, I mean, I like to talk, I like to heavy talk too. You know what I'm saying? Don't get it twisted. I'm that bad at it at all. But you know, my whole thing is wherever we talk about white people, wherever we talk about Asian people, wherever, I don't care who we talking about. You know, everyone has the right to believe what they believe in. I'm not mad. I'm not mad. But at the same time, everyone has to acknowledge the agenda to disrupt the beliefs of black people. Specific, not even just in America, in America, in the Caribbean, on the continent, all over the entire world, there has been agendas by not just white people, but literally everybody to really disrupt how we view ourselves and to align us with the history, the culture, and the agendas of other people. Yeah. And... That is something that I feel like the people in our department are very much committed into restoring the harmony in the African past, the African present, and the African future. 100%. Oh, let me apologize too. Um, some, like I say, a lot of rage when we talk, <laughs> talk, talk, talk. So, talk I'm, heavy, bro. I'm talk heavy. I'm not to anybody. But, you know, y'all know those knuckleheads um, who don't want to budge an inch. 
Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. I'm talking My bad. I wasn't trying to correct you. Man. No, no, no. I'm, I'm friends. Ain't no correction. I'm, call, I'm, call, I'm no calling correction them out. Needed. I'm letting them know where that bullet was going. Straight <laughs> up. Ain't no I'm correction saying? needed because those <laughs> people yeah. be coming from all directions. Oh, man. Your boy. I know boy, who you are. Your boy, like, bro, I be having black people come at me. I be really having black people come at me. Well, like, unfortunately, black people are the most confused about racism. Straight up. And I'm, my, my response is, listen, brother, like... My alignment is working well for me. Energy is right. My energy is, I feel good. I feel great. Not colossal. I'm talking wheezy now. <laughs> <laughs> you know what I'm Kevin, saying? Like, like, you know, like it's it's working for me. You know what I mean? Like, and it's working for me in a way where I can love and respect you more than you can ever love and respect me. Because yeah. I'm aligned with where you come from and where you're going. Like, I care about where you're going. You you obviously don't care about where I'm going. You care about where I'm at. You care more about where I'm at than where I'm going. And that's the disconnect between us. You know what I mean? Like, that's my that's the disconnect between anybody, you know? Like, when I started really getting into my research, I realized, like, damn, everything that lives owes its life to something else. Yeah. Nothing that exists exists alone. Nothing. We was just talking, and I always say this point in everything, even inanimate objects, you know what I'm saying? Like, even our movements, like, it builds. It builds, it builds, it builds, it builds. We talk about Parat, the big house. Big house. <laughs> the big house. The big house, you know what I mean? Like, that's where the White House yeah, go in. Hey, he a big house because he got a lot of power. He moved like a big house. You feel me? Like, it's like so, Armada moves when he when he tilts his head. So, <laughs> but it's real though. Like, so when we see Fire Lord Ozai. When we start seeing <laughs> when we start seeing the legacy of life, man. When we really start getting into the legacy of life, we realize how important it is to be aligned with that legacy. Because once you're aligned with that legacy, the potential of where you can go becomes endless. Because a lot of times we align with resistance. And that's where a lot of that rage comes from, too. And but but I think you know, I'm not talking about your rage. I think your rage is specific to the fact that I look all I look at you as a general. You know what I'm saying? Come like, on, beloved. Don't say that. You won't <laughs> man, you ask me up, man. No, nah, we all, you know, I feel like I feel like we all have a part to play in the reclamation of glory for our people. You know what I mean? In the reclamation of glory for the world. Cause racism makes everybody look bad. I don't care what you say. My 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 my, my teacher, my my master teacher told me. Wise man once told me don't argue with fools because people from a distance can't tell who is who. Yeah, that's a fact. When I see white people and black people arguing, I'm just looking like, well, all others I teach. (laughs) 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 Well, I mean, I don't, I don't, I mean, I personally, I mean, I guess I got to the point where, because, you know, like, I think that was the switch for me coming from a history department to the black studies department. Cause being in the history department, that's who I was arguing with. Like they had whatever they facts were about Napoleon and this and this. And 
I just had a lot of questions. I was like, Napoleon. I was like, it sounded like he did what Hitler did. Then he tried to take over Europe and the world. Well, I don't know nobody from nowhere else in the world who's trying to do that except y'all. I mean, <laughs> I mean, we know. I mean, I mean, I'm just saying, like, as I go through the history, I'll be like King Leopold, Alexander. You know what I mean? Like, I go through it, and it's them. And then it's like, you know, there's Genghis Khan over there, but I, I don't know. So, but either way. I don't know. I don't know what I was saying. I just I realized. Oh, that's what I was saying. Being in the history department, I'm arguing facts like little points with white people. But being in Africology or being in Black Studies, you know, like people people feel very strongly about what they think, even if it's like just a belief. You know what I mean? I'm with you a million percent. Yeah. So it's is so so that's why I said it's navigating a different environment where, you know, because a lot of people are, and I think this is true of universities in general. I think people are rationalizing some of their emotions when they pick certain ideas in college. You I'm know? with you. I'm with you a thousand percent. So it's like it's different in black studies because you gotta be a little more Delicate, because over there I was be a little more delicate. I really feel like <laughs> politics, I was over there. Politics, I feel like I was over there. Like, like as long as I kept it in the books, like they didn't care. They were like, yeah, he knows the truth. Okay, <laughs> like you know what I mean. Like they don't care. But like, but like here, it's like if it's like it's like sometimes you know it's like your your ideology, your politics, or whatever. You know, once people know like that, you one of those people that know. They are like, yo, you can expose me. You know what I mean? Yeah, that's real. And it gets like that sometimes. But I, I always look at that thing as, I look at situations like that as just being flawed in intention. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. Like, I, I feel like the African worldview allows us to have a complementary perspective on everything. Like, no matter what you think, if you're not trying, I'm not, because it, it, it can't be any competition. Things turn into competition too quickly. Where in reality, it's either we're figuring out a way for our ideas to complement one another or we're trying to disrupt one another. Well, I think it has everything to do with the university being a white space. So so the thing is, there's always going to be limited space for black people, especially smart black people, in a white space. So the thing is, it's like people are on top of each other and people have all these ideas and feelings, and you on top of each other, and this is a subject that's very close to a lot of people's heart. I'm with you, but so, my only challenge to that yeah. is that what makes a white space? That white people pay the checks, they pay the overhead. But all of those, when you, all of that <laughs> is literally perspective. Or like money is a tool for people to enhance their perspective of the world. What I say goes, the rules I have works here because I pay for it. Okay. If there, if it was a, we getting into some other stuff, but me and my oh. friends, we always like um, go through different situations for if, you know, we went at war with some country and stuff like that and people invaded, you know what I'm saying? Like, and we, you know, our, our natural strategy is, you know, we're going to buy some land and stuff like that. Mm. That's cool. That's a great strategy. But then about, I would say six months ago, I said, bro, that's 
that's cool. But if it went down tomorrow and we don't have no land, what place can we take over? And now this is my land. You pay the bills, we're. Take it. This your ball? This your bike? This is my bike now, Debo. <laughs> so my whole thing is like that. Are you rolling like Debo though? That's the real question. But you could roll like Debo without the with a smile. Like, bro, I be going in spaces, bro. Like, I really don't care who runs but, this space. Well, my point is, like, if you talk about the land, just because you Debo doesn't mean you'll be able to keep it and sustain it. So, so that's the difference between a rebellion and a revolution. But we're not here to keep or sustain that space. We are there to use that space for our benefit and then move on. My advisor. Oh yeah, you talking about school? Yeah, yeah. That, that's what I'm. That's 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 doing. I'm saying. You talking like, about land. When we get into the bro, when we're in the, <laughs> when we're in that space, bro. Like when we're in that space, and that's and this is real talk. Like, and I I really I really want I really would because I feel like a lot of what we do sometimes gets, I won't even call it sidetrack because that's too drastic, but I think it just becomes like a little trivial sometimes, like the the disagreements that we be having sometimes in, in just our discourses because it's room for all of us. The only people that's telling us it's not room for all of us are the same people who convince those other Africans to act in ways or to behave in ways that weren't conducive to people to their people. You know what I'm saying? Like, like this this freedom is a is a is a mentality that we gotta carry everywhere. And being a complementary piece to everything around you is the biggest challenge in the world because it goes against everything that we were taught in uh School. <laughs> yeah, you know, I just I guess I want to connect the dots here because um I guess um we want to talk about not not so much money. We're talking about who controls um the institutions um especially since we, let's um keep on the subject of schools. I think um Maurice, you, you raise an important point and um it has me think to a talk um Dr. Asante gives where he talks about um the universities. You know, he touches on even in the Caribbean. You know, a lot of the universities in the Caribbean where predominantly black people, whether you're on the continent, whether you're here, whether you're in um Puerto Rico, <laughs> um, um many of them um, you know, are European institutions, you know, maybe in blackface, you know what I mean? You know, the curriculum is still taught from um their perspectives and a lot of their perspectives are basically universalized. You know, it, it's it's um um, projected and imposed on the rest of us in the world, you know. So um, I guess, um, and, and Maurice, you said this, you know, you understand the importance of um, not just establishing your business, but businesses with intent, you know, or institutions or, or you know, a university and um, a school is an institution. We have to recognize that. But what are, what are the spaces that we control and that are um, really giving us the tools and the knowledge that we need to continue to build and maintain it? You know what I mean? And, um you know, of course, we're going to have our debates and um, uh, disagreements, but we all agree to that understanding. But, of course, there are blockades to that, you know. Um, I guess that most of the debates are, all right, what are the things that are in our best interest that we could produce and um, reinforce? Because there are some things that are produced that aren't in our best interest or reinforce 
um, the dominant narratives. But one thing that you said is important, Maurice, is that you have to believe that you're already free. You have to believe that you're, 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 you're in power. You know, um, main reason I talk about the African Revolution in IIT, um, you know, is um, really those Africans who chose to free themselves. So even someone like Desaline, even though he was enslaved, he always saw themselves as a, someone who's a powerful African. You know, you didn't need to rely on um, European languages. You refused to speak their language. You know, that's one of the accounts. And, you know, he speak his own African dialect. And um, he really believed in the power of African people. He didn't want to make no compromise with the French or the white people. You know what I mean? It's a sort of different um, sort of stance compared to Toussaint. And Toussaint is very important. He's, he's a legba, um, as um, Bayina Bello illustrates, you know, um, and his association with his um, lower. You know, he opened the path. But at the same time, he was suffering from white validation. You know, he wanted to be seen on equal terms with the French. This is why he got tricked and betrayed at the end of the day. You know what I mean? Same with Henry Christophe. You know, he modeled a lot of his stuff in institutions out of the Italians. And in fact, there's, um, I don't know how true this is, but um, there are some accounts that he had another wife who was Italian. So, you know, <laughs> and I'm not going to go too much on interracial. You know, you know, I understand you love who you love, but, you know, there's some deep psychological implications um, when you chose choose to marry someone outside your race. You know, I'll leave it there, but it goes back to power, you know, once again. So I'll just leave it at that, but. Yeah, and I, and I'm, and I'm, and I, and I want to say the debate is good, you know, yeah. within your cohort, you know what I mean? And a lot of what I said was inspired by my classes with Zach, you know what I'm saying? <laughs> <laughs> because Zach would say stuff and, you know, it's the best thing in the world. It's literally, <laughs> it's literally, it like, Yo, bro, I never told you this, but you are literally one of my favorite people in the department because, like, the 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 way you interject in different things and different conversations is literally the most constructive thing I have seen. Like, if someone was to listen to you, they would literally have the ability to sharpen their argument to a point that it is in pregnable you know what I'm saying like like that's what I appreciate but once the emotional aspect gets brought into a situation and you start feeling like this is a comp a competition space this is a space for competition and not a complementary space where we are literally complimenting each other I don't like constructive criticism I like constructive compliments Constructive compliments have a different. Yeah, don't deconstruct, just build up. Yeah, I'm yeah. just building it up because you've. I like what you're constructing. I like what you're constructing. But if at any point you get into a cognitive hiatus, only the people with a consciousness of what you are talking about can let you know. Hey, you skipped FD. You 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 skipped F G H. You know what I'm saying? Like I don't. Yeah, even, yeah. You know what I'm saying? You're skipping <laughs> letters. Like you're skipping letters. I'm letting you know these are the letters that you're skipping. You 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 got to know that these are the letters. Like you you were good. A B C D E. I'm following you, but whoa whoa wait. What happened? What what happened? <laughs> what, <laughs> what, what, what happened? Like and when we start creating more spaces like that. Then, like the because because like I said, we're creating the language to criticize people who are who are creating resistance for our community. We are creating the tools to illuminate the fogginess created by propaganda. 
Like I, I was gonna say too, like one thing, one thing I noticed, um, uh, over the over the over the summertime, there was a there was a conference, a Garvey conference. I presented in it. Um, a couple of other of our cohorts, um, they they presented in it as well. But there was also somebody. He wrote a book. Uh, he wrote children's books on the Haitian Revolution. I forgot his name. Uh, but thorough, thorough read broke books. Oh yeah, yeah. of the Haitian Revolution with Baina Bello. Uh, he and he has another book about uh, Bookman, Bookman and the Black Revolution, or something like that. But basically, he's he his presentation at this Garvey conference was comparing uh, how Marcus Garvey, as a historical personality, was just like the Haitian revolutionaries. So he did Macandao, he did um, he did he did Toussaint, he did Henry Christophe, and of course he did he did Dessalines too. He did all four of them. But when he did um, Macandao, you know Macandao, he was talking about how Macandao was trying to poison all the white people on the island and take over the island. So it wasn't just about taking over that part that Haiti. He was like, we taking over the whole island. That was his plan. And this is 40 years before the actual thing. So he was talking about him and he was saying how Macandal had incredible oratory skills because these people, if you think about it, people are coming from all these different places in West Africa when they get into the Caribbean. So he's able to communicate with all these different groups of people and organize them amongst a common plot. You know, that's what, that's what, Marcus Garvey was able to do. That's why he organized more people. Every city he went to, every country he went to, where he was in Guatemala, Nicaragua, Costa Rica, Jamaica, up in Harlem, wherever wherever he was in London, he was able to organize that many people because of his ability to speak and organize people. So I mean, it's just funny. Like I was I was thinking about all of that. I mean, I took you know me. I got take the long way to the. But yeah. But either way, that's what that's what you was making me think about. You was think making me think about like how when you listen to when you listen to the voices of our ancestors, that's how you know like a like a child learning to talk from imitating their mother. You know, when you listen to your ancestors, you get that fire. You know what I mean? You get that ability to to articulate what the issues are, you know? I don't know where I was going with that. Nah, that's amazing. Nah, that be teaching, man. That's why I like hearing, like, like how you say, like, yo, listening to you and taking classes with you, bro, honestly, it, it's such a treat, man, because it's like, yo, the way you know how to articulate, this is why people call you for advice, man. The way you know how to articulate Whoa. and teach and, like, really explain why why it's relevant, man. Not everybody has that. It, like, I think it's important um, what you're demonstrating right now. Well, I'm just a disruptive student. That's 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 what it is. That's all. Nah, that's what they call us, but you know, it's I think you're I think you're a harmonizing student, yeah. in the sense that establishing harmony is it isn't always like peace. You know what I'm saying? Like, like I never, and I had a conversation recently with a young lady about the difference between harmony and balance. You know, like, and, and I said, you know, balance is balance. It's, it's, it's nothing to be said, you know? If something is balanced, then you don't even notice. You know what I mean? Like, but harmony, when, and the idea of harmonizing something, sometimes it, it requires what might look like disruption. You know what I mean? But something has to shift for the, to establish balance. You know what I mean? Like something has to happen to establish balance. And depending on how off balance something is, 
it requires an even more drastic agency to harmonize it. And and that is something that's crucial. And the thing what I'm thinking about when we start talking about uh, Garvey and the other gentleman, what's the other gentleman's name? Makandal. Say it again. Makandal. Bro, you got to speak it to the mic, bro. <laughs> Makandal. 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 Hey, man. When you're talking about them two, we're talking about people who were so aligned. Yeah. Like people who were so aligned because they will have you thinking that all of these people are what we was just saying, rival tribes. Yeah, that's what they like to say. I mean, like, yeah, a little bit. But the thing is, it's like, you know, the condition of enslavement is a unifying condition. It's a unifying condition. <laughs> it's, it's a unifying condition. But speech in Africa also has properties of like yeah. It, it's it the unification came before then. Like he didn't tap in he wasn't able to organize those people due to the conditions that they were in caused by the oppression they were undergoing. He was able to connect with those people because he tapped in to the legacy that they came from. No, that's and they, true. Yeah, and they right. understood that. Yes. And he understood that. He understood that when you get into language, language is the most powerful thing in the world to me. You know what I mean? And I say language is powerful because when someone says, what's the relevance of Kemet, right? It's 5,000 years ago. And then I say, what, 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 this is a democracy, right? Then, then we get into demos and all of these other terms that were born two, 3,000 years ago that we use to define the politics of our citizenship today. When you got to get to the Greek origin of the word and the Latin origin of the world, like I don't even, legacy. I don't even know who speaks Latin anymore. You it's know, in the law. It's all in there, right? Like we, like we're literally Romans. Like, you know what I'm saying? Like, <laughs> like you, when you say democratic Republic, I'm like, Oh, you're a Greek Roman. <laughs> I mean <laughs> like right <laughs> neo neo you what they call it neo pagan you're a neo roman you know say <laughs> like but it's 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 amazing when we start seeing how easily it is to connect the history from other places with the current day it's like white sankofa <laughs> <laughs> Yo, y'all, y'all won't know when he trolling, yo. It's hilarious. You're, you're, practicing, yes, uh, you're practicing the ancient traditions uh, of your enemy's ancestors. Your Africological, <laughs> your Africological jokes, bro. <laughs> nah, for real, man. You're bro. a witch. Yo, chill. <laughs> Dude, once, he, once he gets started, man, that's why I said it's entertaining when you take class with this guy, man. Hold it's on, late. wait. Oh, we yeah, can't man. let Bones go, man, because taking classes with Bones, Bones is like the godfather. Come on, yeah. Come Bones on, is the godfather of Africology, face, man. Man, man, humble. People say stuff and look straight at Bones. Yeah. People be speaking in class and look straight at Bones. Is he shaking his head? Yes. They know they'll get a happy response. <laughs> 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 and the funniest thing is when he disagree with something, though. When Bones disagree with something, it turned into like, he still is like, Agreeing though, right? Like, <laughs> <laughs> y'all know me too well. He still smile, but instead of the yeah, he go from this he to the friendly. side to the side here, like yeah, 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 yeah all right. 
I, I like the effort. <laughs> like, like, yeah, yeah. I respect where you coming from, bro. It's, yeah, it's cool right. story. Nah, for real. <laughs> <laughs> He's trying to expose me. Yo, you mentioned something um important earlier though, man. Um, in terms of um that even even in enslavement, like you know, we were still organizing and doing things way before you know what they say we do things. You know, in terms of how we organize despite our differences. You know, African people are not all the same. We have different varieties, but there's a reciprocation, a uh, uh, a commonality in some of the things we do. Uh, I'm gonna give y'all an example. Um, for example, with the kingdom of Dahomey under Agaja, um, one of his wives, Awinyil, um, she was responsible for consolidating Vudun. Um, in the kingdom. In other words, um, Vudun was the political um, consolidating force and it allowed um, different people to unite. You know, they saw a commonality between the different African religions and um, they incorporated different deities, deities of the earth. Um, there's a good um, article by Moja Akinyeli. Uh, he also wrote We Will Shoot Back. That's another important book for y'all. Yeah, yeah, y'all gonna have a long, um, nice little bibliography. Nice little bibliography. Y'all gonna have to help you know me with saying? this bibliography. Oh my too. god, yo, because we, we yo, and you don't realize, yo, like, because we do, we doing research. Like, we're kind of like naming like mad obscure sources. I know that's a fact. Because because that essay, like, when I found that Umoja essay, like, that's like you know. I had no, to like look straight up. I'm you know what I mean? I'm definitely gonna send y'all this video before I send it to anybody else, and I'm gonna be like, "Listen, bro, I need help." Like, well, like editing? No, not editing. This, I'm talking about with just the sources, bro. Now, now we got you. The oh, sources. we got like twenty on, or baby. thirty. All right. Well, how about how about how about this? How about instead of like, I mean, we could look through it, but how about me and him just put together like a little folder. That's what I do, you like know. Mixtape, because you know, they like, yeah, like, like, no more, like right? yeah, like like a little, yeah, like like a scholastic mixtape with articles, like, yeah, like straight I, up. I, I, I could give you like what I like. I'll give you like twenty of my favorites. You know what I mean? You know what? How about this? We gonna sell you know, that? We gonna sell that? <laughs> All right, yeah. no chill. Now nah, you can't. Now nah, if you start selling it, you, you might gonna, get sued, huh? Gonna end up like Andrew, we're not gonna do all that. We just gonna, gonna end up we just like gonna Andrew Schwartz and Reddit. We just gonna give y'all how that Chicago. Manual style bibliography in the description box, man. You trying to be like the spook who sat by the door. I hope that exposes, but you know, you know, if y'all read Sam good. Greenlee, man, that's another one of the yeah, list, I, man. I ain't, I ain't no spook. I'm on the camera. Hey, listen, in the field. Man. Yeah, it's all heavy, please. No, no, no. Hey, I listen, no man. <laughs> I'm in my own crib, man. I ain't got time to be by nobody else's door, man. Chill. Come over here. <laughs> Chill over here with Death Row, man. I ain't no spook. If I'm you, a civilian. If you tired of the <laughs> if you, tired, you don't want to be an agent. <laughs> if you tired of the producers dancing all up in your videos. All up in the video. <laughs> <laughs> nah, for real, man. I just wanted to take a second to just really thank you guys for coming and, and chopping it up with me today. Yeah, no, thank you for the invite. Brother, man, what you mean, man? man. Come on, dude. Nah, straight up, bro. That's one thing I really appreciate about this department. We really a family, and we're really a family that's committed towards victory. You know what I'm saying? And it's not even a lot of blood, you know, blood ties that can say that. You know what I mean? And um, with that being said, man, I want to thank everybody out there for listening to another episode. Of Road to Scholarship. I'm your boy, PhD Rich. I got my brother Zach. I got my brother Bones. We know the vibes, <laughs> In man. the building, man. Yes, you know, we definitely hope. I want to drop the mic for real. I ain't, I ain't wanna... 
Please don't drop the microphone. Break that. Break expensive equipment. We broke. Yeah, we broke grad <laughs> stools out here. We don't got no money. I know I look clean. We looking fresh right now, but yo, we, we still struggling grad students, y'all. So you know, help us out. <laughs> Cash you already at. know, man. <laughs> yeah, I don't do that. <laughs> I, don't, I don't take donations It's your real talk Real talk man But definitely Check us out On the YouTube Check us out On Instagram Rich Podcast Network You know My guy's gonna Definitely be on there You know what I mean If you got any questions If you got any comments Please don't hesitate To leave them down below In the comments section Or even hit us up DM us Send us a message Let us know What you would like us To talk about In the future I'm definitely hoping I can have you guys again for a part two. Part two? Oh, most definitely. Yeah. Oh, we're coming yeah. through, man. Hopefully, hopefully, um, we have a couple of drinks. You know what I mean? Hey, hopefully. Hey, drink champs. Drink champs. <laughs> Shout out to Lori, man. Hey, man. I had the tequila in the... All right, man. All right, man. Yeah, yeah. Y'all not going to see this, man. We about All right, to, we out, we man. Hey, man. Thank you guys for listening. And uh, we definitely going to check back in with you guys. Peace. Peace.